becoming a mayor. Okay. Why did you run? I think I've got something to offer to the city, uh, for sure. We need someone to say, you know what, I know what you've been saying about Rocky Mountain, but what I want to do is focus on this. I ran for mayor 2019. I ran on the idea that it's time for a first black mayor, right? And I said it going back and maturing over time, I realized I shouldn't be running off skin color. Shouldn't be running off gender for that matter, because those are things you can't change. But what you can change is mindset. What you can change is vision. That's what I think you need. And so that's what I think I, I certainly can present. Inspiring a shared vision. That's what yeah, that's all man. about, right? What up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the RXS Podcast. And we got my guy Brunson Williams in here with us. How are you, man? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, man. How you been? Man, been working hard and hardly working at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> What's some things you've been up to lately? Well, of course, you know, I just got out of the mayor's race. I ran for mayor again, so I think I get a thrill out of running, right? And so I'm doing some rearranging down at this TV station, so radio station, and still in the daycare business, man. I do some of everything. Come on, man. So before we get into that, I want to do what we normally do. I want to go all the way back. Okay. Tell me where you were born. Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, technically Tarboro, because I was... Uh, my mom had me at uh, Heritage Hospital in Tarboro. Okay. Yeah, so that's actually where I was physically born at, but I'm always been in Rocky Mountain. Wow. What was it like growing up in Rocky Mountain? It was cool. You know, I, I don't really think you, I, I guess you can look back over your life, right, and say, but in the midst of it, it's life, right? Yeah. It is what it is. It's yeah. life. And so you go back and maybe say, hey, I wish this was this way, or I'm, I'm glad I did this or didn't do that or whatever, but uh, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, were you into any of these entrepreneurial things early on? Man, always. Okay. Always, right? So I'm going to, what is it, Fred's Club. Uh, you know, getting a ride because I ain't driving, right? So I'm, I'm eight years old or whatever. Yeah. I'm going and buying uh, pickles, blow pops, you name it. So I'm, if anybody else can have a store, I can have one too, okay? Give me a little yeah. cash box and I'm going to sell you some snow cones. So my birthday, I'm getting like snow cone machines for my birthday. I'm getting snow cone supplies, you name it. I'm, I'm a little entrepreneur. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> man. Hey. So as you, um, as you started to grow up, that never left? Never. Never left. The entrepreneur spirit is there. So I, I will say probably I've worked maybe two jobs in my life. Mm. So I worked for the city of Rocky Mount and I worked for, uh, well, I guess three jobs at, at First Media Radio. Okay. And Canada TV station. That's, okay. That's the third one. Like and what? Person. how old were you when you got the first job? 14 and a half. Wow. Yes, yeah, so I had a worker's permit. So we had to go down to the Department of Social Services and uh, sign that and get all that stuff done. So I can work for the city of Rocky Mount, as a matter of fact. So I was working at Sunset Park. Oh, wow. What was that like? Work. (laughs) 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 That was work. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, we, of course, you driving a train, a carousel. But most importantly, what we did out there as workers, we were like landscaping the daggone park, right? So we raking, we we doing all this kind of stuff at the park, right? So Manual we, labor. We were doing it. <laughs> we were doing it. And they don't have it like that. It's just, so I go out to the park sometimes, it's Rita be like, they don't have it like y'all got it. Y'all had some work going Yeah. In. So we had to keep little picnic areas clean, you name it, we, we was there. And then, of course, watching the kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, working that job, is that when you kind of decided, like, I don't think I want to be working? No, I wanted to do that. No, okay. So, so yeah, it's like, but I won't, like, force to get out there so everybody yeah. gotta bring some money in the house go work nah uh, so I wanted to do that so um, I wanted to work at the skate park and so I never wanted to go home type situation I wanted to get that ching ching when they come in the building yeah I need that right I need them I'm like what I'm gonna do it I have no idea but I'm gonna do something with it right yeah. I'm gonna do something with it and so nah that's what I wanted to do and so uh, as many hours as I could 
And because I was willing to do that, I got to work in other areas in the city, too, with the special events coordinator, Julie, um, Julio, uh, Deborah Julio. Yeah. And, and so uh, I was able to do some of the special events. So working at the parades, the Downey's Festival and doing some of those things. Here I am riding a golf cart with like $15,000 checks sent right there to me. You know what I'm saying? So that was kind of cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's my little work. And I did that. Actually, I did it from 14 and a half to my first year in college. So I, every it was a summer job, right? So during the rest of the year, and I was in school, but yeah. during the summertime, that's what I did. And where did you go to college? East Carolina University, a little Let's pirate all go. day. Okay, Greenville, North Carolina. <laughs> I almost went to Barton. I almost went to Barton because again, I told you I was working for First Media Radio, so I was working for Power ninety five. I was little yeah. Ron on the radio, and so I did that. And so Wilson was closer, and so um, uh, Paul Andre, who was there working at the time as a program director. I was like, man, which one would you go to, Barton or, or ECU? I said, I would go to ECU. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's how that happened, okay? Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to be right down. I said, look, Wilson ain't like 20 minutes away. <laughs> Greenville's like 30. I want to be on the radio. Forget this school, yeah. college thing. I'm trying to stay on the radio. But uh, that's how that works. So tell me about Little Ron. <laughs> Little Ron. Yeah, that name came from B. Vic. So okay. it's part of Bronson. So the R E N B R O E. Yeah. So I said, man, who can call you Little Ron? So okay. <laughs> that's where that came from. And uh, so he had the Better Late Never radio show on 95 back in 2003. And then uh, every day I would uh, see Paul. I was working at TV. So we're kind of like hanging at the TV station, the WNCRT, which I know I don't bought since then. But I would hang out there. And every time I would see Paul, I'd be like, hey, man, you about ready to put me on the air? He's not yet. Hey, man, you about ready to put me on the air? I ain't even saying hello to the brother. I'm just saying you about ready to put me on the air. <laughs> then one day he said, yeah, I ain't know what to say after that. I'm <laughs> ready for the next step, right? Yeah. I was only ready for the question. And yeah. so then I went down to uh, the radio station. Learning how to work the boards, and then I had a, a radio show for um, that was probably oh three ish oh four ish till uh, two thousand seven. So, what got you interested in radio? I was just around media, right? So, I was around uh, WHIG TV is the first TV station I got on. Me and Braxton, we did a uh, computer repair business, okay, called, uh, Webmaster Plus. So, we did okay. computer repair, website design, and so instead of WHIG paying us for the website. Uh, they gave us a TV show. The TV show called Your Internet Connection. So every Saturday, I think it was at six o'clock, yeah. we was on TV uh, talking about how we can design some websites, how we can fix okay. your computer and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And so, again, that little entrepreneurial hustle man was yeah. still there. So it was making that happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I ended up working for WHIG for a little while. And then from there, I uh, got fired from there. Okay. So I didn't uh, drive in the snow. I wanted to drive. Man, my parents won't let me drive. I got but you. But I could handle it, though, because I was really, I was experienced at 16. You know what I'm saying? I had all the experience <laughs> I needed to drive in snow. They said, nah. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. uh, that was that for WHIG. But then again, the rest is history from WNCR TV, though. Wow. Night and day. So you were able to, like, get your chops up there. At WNCR? Yeah, well, oh, absolutely. Because yeah. uh, Ray, he was all about um, giving me a million-dollar education a nickel at a time. So it was about, you know, I got to learn what type of connection this was, you know, even looking at schematics of devices and kind of figuring it out. He was, a you know, like an engineering-type guy. He, like, just pulled stuff apart and put it back together type situation. Mm. So he said, hey, when you go into conversations, be sure that you're using the right terms, right? So then people going to respect you more. He said, give me that thing of jig right there. What, what is like, Who is this guy? Right? Who let him in? Yeah. Type situation. No, you can't. You got to know, hey, this is a BNC cable, right? Yeah. You got to know what it is. You got to know these are phono connected. When was using phono? Phono is outdated now. This <laughs> time I had to bring a phono in today. What are you talking about? Okay. Yeah. So was it like, what kind of music was on the station? 95? Yeah. That Everything. was hip hop. That was hip hop and R&B. Yeah, that was hip hop and R&B. So were you a like hip hop and R&B fan? 
Uh, I had to be at that time, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I had to be at that time, right? Um, was I into music? Nah, not really. I just wanted to be on the radio, right? And again, I, I said, so hey, it, it didn't matter what station it would have been. Probably not. You just would have adjusted to whatever I, the. I would have been rock. Here's your rock station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have been rocking it out, right? I would have yeah. been doing it. Okay, so I would learn how to do that. So yeah, it was. But that's that's what it was. They were new at the time, and so that was uh, you know, ninety two man for a while, and so uh, another group first made a radio bought a couple of stations in North Carolina. Spent about $14 million on a couple of stations and uh, just heard about 95 coming. It was old Katie Country Station. And so they mm -hmm. turned it to an urban station. So I, I went over there. Oh, and you say you did that till 2007? Yeah, to 2007. So 03-ish, 04-ish to 2007 to like July 2007. And then where did you go from there? 107.3 to Promise. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah, so I had that. And so uh, that was, here I am, 20 years old, right? Yeah. Didn't know the value of ownership versus leasing, right? Leasing, uh, when I tell you to get up out of my stuff, you're going to get up out of my stuff. <laughs> okay. And so, you know, again, we was uh, billing customers. We had preachers on from everywhere, advertisers on from everywhere. But, of course, the owners of the station said, you know what? We want our station back type situation. We're going to sell it to Liberty University who bought the station. And it wasn't actually a purchase. It was uh, an exchange of assets. So they had uh, four translators that they were willing to exchange for one station. One was in Raleigh, one was in Muffixburg, one was in uh, Greensboro, and I want to say another was in Winston-Salem that Liberty owned. And so they did an exchange because they had some AM stations that they wanted to be on the FM band. And so and that this was The Promise? So this was The Promise. The Promise 107.3. So I did that from 07 to 12. So hold on. Take me back because I want to understand. Mm -hmm. When you got in, that's when the transfer was happening? When I got in, it was nothing. So okay. all it was was a tower in Enfield, North Carolina. It's crazy. I just talked to some kids <laughs> this weekend about this. And it was um, a tower in Enfield, North Carolina. They said, hey, we want $1.1 million for the station, right? I had really seen just a $100 bill good. You're talking about a million, right? Yeah. Then you're talking about a thousand, a hundred thousand. And so um, didn't do that. They came back. And I kept still trying to sell it to somebody else. Whatever they were trying to do didn't work out. So they came back and said, hey, we'll LMA it to you, which is a local marketing agreement. And so that, that allows you to basically to lease the station, not own it, but just lease it. And you paying all the bills for the station and you creating programming for the station and all that kind of stuff. And so I did that from 07 to 12 when, he, you know, met over there at Gardner's Barbecues. I got some good news. And I got some bad news for you. You know, the, the bad news, I stole the station this morning. The good news is we might got another station for you. But that uh, <laughs> that never materialized. Right. OK. Yeah. Right down on Sunset. So uh, th that's kind of what that was. So we again, we uh, did that from that time period from 12 to 14 basically i was in the process of getting the station i got today which is 102.5 fm and that's ownership so yeah. I, I don't have to worry about somebody saying i got good news bad news for you right yeah <laughs> so that's kind of so I, you know again 20 years old learn the value of ownership versus it but again what it was hey look what 20 year old do you know got a 1.1 million dollars right so we was able to raise a couple of thousands of dollars to necessarily the first payment on the thing had to give him a ten thousand dollar check for expenses going towards the station. Then for the first three months, I worked it out where uh, we was only paying five grand a month. And then it went up to like 7,400. Then eventually it became $10,000 a month that I had to generate to uh, to operate that station. Plus the other, that was just to them. Then I got the cost of staff. I got the cost of uh, light bills, you know, you name it, all that stuff was there. So we had to generate, you know, on average about $30,000 a month to just do what we did. And what's the value of a station at that time? Like, how's the station making money? 
Oh, it, it, I, I'd say it definitely made money, right? It paid the bills, right? So anytime you can pay your bills, you're making money, right? So yeah. it was able to to pay them. Uh, now, there might have been some uh, areas where we didn't have. So then we kind of did some share type and people actually like donated to it. Because I'll say this with Gospel Radio, there are some businesses that just want to advertise on Gospel Radio, right? It's, it's as if gospel people don't drive cars. Well, well, we you know some of them might go to clubs, <laughs> but we had no clubs. Yeah. Now imagine you're in a club spot on the radio. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> that would be interesting. But anyway, so there's some businesses that you just can't have on gossip. Or they're just not going to do it. So you're not going to have those stations like a hip hop and R&B station might make a hundred plus thousand dollars a month in revenue, right? But off, and yeah. this is off advertisement. Oh yeah. So it's the biggest. Is the biggest um, money generator advertisement? That's the only and, money generator, right? And oh. so then the radio station is going to pay those artists because we're going to pay BMI, ASCAP, and CSAC royalty fees for pay, playing music, right? Okay, wait, wait. I want to talk about that. Okay. Because there are some radio stations that don't do that. Don't do what? Pay BMI and ASCAP like they're supposed to. Uh, I'm sure of it. But Why you say that? Because... Some mom and pop stations aren't set up where they do the right thing. They're going to call you. So they're going to call you and tell you if you're playing the music. So some, for instance, had a station out in Greenville where we wouldn't pay BMI and ASCAP, right? We would pay CSAC because most of the urban gospel music is licensed to CSAC and not BMI. And some of your mainstream stuff, like a DJ hat and all them, they're going to BMI. So all that kind of stuff. But like your Malico music, a lot of those records are CSAC. So, uh, so that way, so look, I'm yeah, I'm not paying for BMI and ASCAC. We're not playing any of your artists. So why am I going to give you something based on projected revenue when you're not adding or contributing anything to help me make the necessary money? So you can monitor what your catalog is, and you can say, hey, and opt not to play BMI artists, opt not to play ASCAP artists, or just say, ain't playing no CSAC artists. Either one. So when you get, so when y'all get the music in, mm -hmm. is it personal taste from the DJs first? Or like do labels? How does it work where y'all decide what to play? Yeah, so for us, we just we put it pretty much anything in, right? So we had like the variety of situations. Now, when you get into your more of your bigger radio stations, they're gonna kind of go to the politics of music, right, and how that kind of works type situation. And so, if you've been in the business long enough, you'll get that. And so, but again, when people go on for new ads type situations, so you you're gonna you're gonna add, you'll add it, right? Uh, but there are some, you know, if it, if it comes from this person. And we're gonna spin your record, right? But if if it comes from this person, I would give you a little challenge on getting your record spin. But you know, the radio has changed over the years, though. So now SoundCloud, Sound Exchange, and all that kind of stuff has kind of changed. Uh, streaming in itself, you get royalties from that too as well. So that is uh, kind of uh, a whole different situation too. Now again, to your point, you probably do have some internet broadcasts who are not paying those royalties for that as well. But there are a lot that are right. Yeah, and that's right? what, that's something that I've always wanted to. Um, understand mm -hmm. like as a producer as a songwriter like back in the day before i really got into music like i would hear people say like money is in publishing yeah and the publishing coming from spins and radio mm -hmm. but i never understood the process but now that i hear you talk it's kind of like hey this is the song we're gonna play um, these writers or these publishers are registered to BMI, CSAC, ASCAP. Mm -hmm. And do y'all pay them like monthly, every six months, every... Yeah, you pay them. I mean, there are some stations that pay them hundreds of thousands, millions of bucks a year, uh, depending on the uh, revenue that those stations are generating. So it's based off of that. So you think about a station in 
L.A. Or, or New York that has a population of whatever, their their commercial crazy Genera- dollars. I yeah. mean, so you got a whole bunch of money that goes in there, and their role in those capacities is not to keep the money. They're supposed to give it to the artist, right? And so they got a little administrative fee, but a bulk of that money are supposed to go to royalties for the, the publishing rights of, of who is uh, signed on, whether they're writing it or for the instrument or, you know, all that kind of stuff mm. that, that's going on is, is, is what happens with that. So how many ever points you get on that record type situation, right? Yeah. So those things are important. Um, what is it? Uh, the guy from Halifax. Uh, who was he with? Um, they do a lot of uh, music development. John. Can't think of his name right now. Um, he, he lives in Atlanta now. He wrote uh, Trey songs. He wrote a couple songs of Trey songs. I don't know. Man, I forgot his name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lives in Atlanta, but uh, you know, he's got a lot of uh, uh, points on records from things he's done. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's, he's done a lot of work for a lot of different artists, actually. He went down to Atlanta and just really just did a thing. John. His name is John. Yeah. So my question to you is, with with your experience and with your love for media, why didn't you leave? Why did I leave? I why still got time. I still got time. <laughs> <laughs> you might, you still might. Yeah, it was like, what made you stay in in Rocky Mount when you, know, you could have went anywhere? Yeah, yeah, you still, you know, why? I think that's a great question, but uh, just a personal choice, right? And so, um, this place is cool for me. I've been able to generate the type of revenue that I want. And oftentimes people will go leave and say, hey, I want to go do this over here. But then what happens with that is you make those communities better and you go back and look at home, be like, man, home sucks. Right. And so how many of us are going to leave home and go make an Atlanta better, a California better, a New York better? Great. The opportunities are there. But Ralph Waldo Emerson said a man can if a man can preach a better sermon or build a better a mousetrap in his neighbor, even if he builds his house in the woods of the world will make it beat and path to his door. Right. Mm. And so people come find you where you are. And so I talk to people all across the country for sure. And I'm, I'm sure you do as well. Right. Yeah. And so um, I, I, th- I think you can do that. I, I think historically people say, hey, you got to go out to do this. But you don't. You can really be especially with the advent of Internet. Yes. And, the, and, and to your point, like when you look at at like in Atlanta for instance like Atlanta wasn't known for music until L.A. Reid and Babyface went there Mm -hmm. so then we create LaFace then it all of a sudden becomes a music place yeah or the same thing like a Detroit like it's like we on the we on the assembly lines at GM yeah 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 until Barry Gordy creates Motown absolutely so to your point people who are in small towns or in places where things aren't thriving if you have the gift or the talent to be a pioneer it may be a better look in the long run absolutely you can be a bigger fish in a smaller pond right that's the whole thing and oftentimes we'll try to be a little tiny fish in a big old (laughs) pond and be like i still ain't got my break and you're struggling and again you might get that that gig on the acting thing you might become that extra whatever then you can blow up out of that but there's a whole bunch of talent i mean north carolina was you know, one of the leaders in film production, right? When you think about how many movies has been here now, that has kind of changed because the tax credit changed. But you think about how long Dawson Creek was recorded right here every year. That uh, in what sitcom, city? Really, all across, but mainly in Wilmington and Raleigh. Okay. Uh, so and that went on for what twelve plus years at least. Wow. And so um, you got a number. You got movies that was recorded right here in Rocky Mountain, like Love Field or something like that, uh, was recorded right here. And so you got in Wilson as well, but you got a lot of stuff that happens here in North Carolina uh, because we got the best of everything. You've got 
ocean scenes if you want to go out to the beach. You got the Piedmont area. You can go over to the mountains. So you got all this stuff. You ain't got to pay to create. You just spend a couple of time, fly over there. Then you got the use of the North Carolina helicopter to kind of get you over there as well, especially when you're doing some scouting. And this is when the film commission was like the bomb. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, Governor uh, uh, Terry Sanford was really instrumental into doing that because he created a, a, a one, two, then just up in spring. Oh, they're building that big old studio. Yeah, I heard right? about that. Yeah. So North Carolina, I think, is going back to where it was. And it really did. If you go Google how many things were actually made here, whether it be commercials, uh, full-fledged sitcoms or movies, it happened right here on these soils. Take me back to what you said about tax brackets. Tax brackets? Okay. You said you said that's how it used to be until tax brackets changed. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the uh, tax incentives. Yeah, so the incentive piece. So the when you got new government coming in, they've kind of changed what they want to basically invest our dollars in. And so it used to be, hey, you can come here and do a whole bunch of filming. And the production house kept the money because they were able to get the breaks on taxes within the state. The second they did that and changed the way that was, next thing you know, a lot of our productions that were used to be here went down to Georgia. And then you see everything now, big old peach production. Peaches on everything. <laughs> right, right, right. So that, that happened uh, partly because North Carolina just stopped being friendly to the movie industry. And then you, and you got to think about this. When you're shooting a movie, especially down in Wilmington, when they were shooting movies down there, you had all the local eateries going on. You had people being, you know, working. You got grips. You got a whole bunch. I mean, the whole production, their money stays locally, right? And so the value that they did uh, for Wilmington, they got if you go down to Wilmington and go to that studio, it looks like the WB studio in California, right? The little gate and everything you go, you're like, wow, this is crazy in Wilmington. So uh, those things can exist in our community, but you got to have uh, the right government that is supportive of those ideas, right? And so you've got some members of government say, hey, I don't want people to be able to freely express themselves because that's what art is right you're freely expressing yourself whether you're doing it through a motion picture whether you're doing it through some type of advertisement from advertising that you're creating or whatever expression you're doing you're able to then send a message through those mediums right and so if i want to limit that from happening then i can suppress it here but again you don't suppress it all you do is move it elsewhere and now you lose the income and and the strength and growing of a community Is the way you say. At the end of the day, I would need to be comfortable with myself more. And because I felt like in order for me to be my true self or in order for me to have a big impact on the world, I would need to be with a group of people that I know when that's not the case. I was kind of scared at first because I felt like I was going to miss them. My parents have told me many times that I have gifts and I need to use it and like people wish they could do what I do and I was like, "Mm, I don't want to do that. Since I was really young, I really like to speak and make people feel better in life. And it's just something I enjoy. Hi, this is Nay. And that was Nay's Place. If you want to catch more, search Nay's Place on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and RXS Entertainment YouTube channel. So from from your experience here in Rocky Mount, is this a city that supports art? Yeah, it does. I mean, you, you think about, you know, how many just artists exist here, right? I mean, just the history. I mean, 
go back to even a gospel situation from uh, uh, Bishop F.C. Bond. Yes. Man, you know, national, who don't know I'm coming up the rough side of the mountain, right? You go to Bahamas, I'm coming up the rough side of the mountains. You know? yeah. So then you got, you know, Luther Barnes and, and the contributions that uh, Reverend Walker's done, Ray Braswell Jr., yeah, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so then you go back from the jazz era to Thelonious Monk. I mean, you got so many actors and actresses that are from here. I mean, when you talk about the art, they're there. And even... Um, sports is what it is, but to some people, you might even look at it as as, as artistic as well. You, yeah, that's creative absolutely. as well, right? So you got all those type of uh, athletes that, that come from here. So when you embrace that ideal of, of what exists here, I mean, it is a unlimited field of opportunity, and also historical people in which and current to still living today who has made uh, significant contributions to not just the local community but abroad. Absolutely. So now I want to go to the TV station piece. Okay. You went from the promise. You still have the promise. I do. 102.5. So when you went to 102.5, that was ownership, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you didn't have an issue with the promise name, like switching it from one station to another? I created that. You got to remember. So, oh. so you know, it was, remember I told you it was nothing but the tower, right? And I so, got yeah. you. But I mean, you, you think about this. You, you really can't really brand that name, really, because there are the beats all over, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, I listened to another station, ninety nine point five, just the other day. Uh, they called the vibe. That was a that's I like that name actually because yeah. the vibe that was kind of dope. But yeah, so no, they're Kiss FMs. I mean, they they exist everywhere. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, so no, there's no no issue like that. So what is the difference from from a business perspective and um, an operational perspective? What's the difference between the promise that you own now and the promise that you leased then? Well, so the, the promise that I owned uh, before was a commercial radio station. So we had an opportunity to do advertisement on it. Uh, this station is what you call a low powered uh, radio station, which again, uh, hence low power is going to have a smaller coverage area, but it also doesn't have the ability to actually do advertisements. You can do, uh, announcements, but not advertisements. And it gets into what does that mean, right? <laughs> so, yes, break it down. All right. So, you know, advertisements, you can do call of action. So call of action simply says, come on down here or go see me or go see this person, right? You're calling for an action. Um, so you can do it in a regular commercial. Also, you cannot do quality in comparison. So I can't say in a regular, I'll Google about it this way. So in a regular commercial, you can say, we've got the best lemonade on this side of heaven, right? I can't say that. I can say, hey, you got lemonade <laughs> <laughs> I got on you. this side of heaven. And so then the other piece is you can't give price in comparison. So you can't say, hey, we've got a 99 cent special over here. Da, da, da. So you can't do that. But you can say they happened for 99 cents, right? So it's all about, you know, how so you it's word just wording. It. It's wording at the end of the day. It's wording at the end of the day. But again, you cannot do a quality comparison on that situation. So that so there's some words you just cannot use, right? So again, like best, the better, you mm. know, the greatest. You can't say that, even if it might be that, right? Because again, that's subjective anyway. So why can't you do that on a low power station? That's just the rules, right? That's crazy. So I've been talking about rules all weekend long. So I talked to some Haskins about rules. I know the rules of the game. We talked about rules this morning on TV stage. And now we're talking about rules here, right? <laughs> That's just the rules, right? And so can they be changed? Absolutely. It's an act of Congress to do it because the FCC controls what those things are. There's a group of people who want to take it from right now you can do 100 watts of power. I uh, want to take it to 200 watts. 100 watts of power on radio at 100 feet in the air actually get you about 20 miles. That's a whole city, right? Yeah. That's a whole city. You talk about 20 miles 
uh, in Greensboro, which my brother has a station in Greensboro, the source, 107.9, you're talking about a population of well over 300,000 people on this station compared to a population of about um, 65,000 roughly. You know, we don't know. We don't participate in the census, so we got to figure that one out too in 10 <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and be sure we get acronyms because that, that matters too. But yeah, so that's the difference in those two. So do you still, as a low power station, do you still have to like pay like the um, BMIs and the ASCAPs? Yeah, so they do it at a real reduced rate, a very reduced rate. So mm. me might tell you those other stations are going to pay like um, uh, thousands of dollars and, and hundreds of thousands like, and millions in other cases. Um, uh, a, a LPFM station is only going to pay about 750 bucks a year. Okay. Yeah. So, Okay. If that is the case, used to be two twenty five, but uh huh. So, <laughs> so, for an artist, what would be the benefits of being on a low power station if it's not publishing? So you you're still going to have some contributions from that station, but you you also got to remember that as an artist, it's not also about the royalty check. It's also about your your brand awareness because the more I know about you when you're coming into a concert because really that's how artists are going to make their money uh, with the touring and things because the they aren't got publishing rights. Most times that's vested in the record company, right? <laughs> so you make your money off going to these concerts and going here and there. So you've got to have the people who are hearing your music who are going to sing along to those songs. Like I tell advertisers all the time that it's almost like music. You hear a song the first time, yeah, whatever. You know, you hear it again. Okay, I kind of like that. You hear it third time, then you kind of sing along. By the fourth or fifth time, you're singing the whole song, right? Yeah. That's my job right there, right? <laughs> but you might start out not liking it at first. And so um, same is true with music, that uh, the more exposure you're giving that artist, even locally or, or anywhere or any means, it's going to, you know, bring up, bring the awareness or raise the awareness of that artist. And then you, now I want to see what else they got type situation, right? So, so everything... I think this is sometimes some of our, our, our concerns or, or guys kind of look at how we look at things because if I base everything I do off a percentage or a dollar, uh, there are a lot of things I probably would never do, right? But then if I realize, hey, well, what could be the return on this if I just let it do what it do, right? And then let that uh, flip itself. And before you know it, you make it a whole bunch of money. You be be like uh Warren Buffett, right? With Berkshire Hathaway, got everything under the sun. Yes. Okay. And I want to I want to talk about that piece that you said because it is valuable. You said brand awareness. Yeah. And sometimes the value of people knowing about you can later on become a transaction. Sure it will be. But you can't sell to nobody. Essentially. So my point is like even like let's say for instance you are in Rocky Mount. Mm -hmm. You are independent artist. Mm -hmm. The first step to your career taking off would be to have a partnership where I could call Brunson anytime I need to and say, hey, I have this new single. Can I come do an interview? I want to yeah. talk to my city. Because it's like a lot of people that we know, like if you take a Master P or somebody in like a No Limit, mm -hmm. it's like New Orleans is first. Mm -hmm. And then they're so loud that the world has to pay attention. And that's brand awareness. It's sure, like sure. if I put the if I make sure my city rocking with me. Right. Right. I can get the world. Absolutely. But that's you have to be willing to say, like, I'm going to rock with my city first. If one one approach. I mean, but you also look at this thing, man, called the Internet, where you get this crazy 
YouTube following from doing skits or this, that, and the third. And so people on hometown may not even know you, uh, but everybody else know you. Think about the uh, pull, uh, pulley guy, uh, putty uh, guy. That's, I mean, he's in national commercials right now from Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. So, you know, it it's staying in your own lane, mm. right? Uh, not trying to be w- what somebody else is, but if you be your authentic self, I think you'll, you'll have a better chance at being successful, right? Uh, because I, I get emulation. I, I get it. But I'll say this, too, about going back to your local piece, though. You know, there was a song that was out for a while, uh, a brand new me. Yeah. Right. And so then we start spinning that record on the on the uh, radio as old as it was. Right. But the people. But then, of course, that that helped. Now, now church was singing all, you know. <laughs> yeah. Brandon. So, you know, the, there's value to in local. But, I, but again, I think there's more value in just being you. Yeah. And because nobody can duplicate you, right? They can only emulate you, but they cannot really be you. Yeah. So that I mean, that's 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 how you win. So to your point about the internet, do you think in this day and time, whether you have whether you're an artist or producer or a radio personality, is how important is using the internet? You gotta have it. You gotta have it, right? So there was one time where, you know, you're just broadcasting over the air with the radio. And that was it. That was enough, right? One time you just broadcast over the air on TV and they look at all these traditional television stations now got streaming services, right? So people are now in this demand culture. And so maybe I don't want to see that at nine. I want to see it at 930, right? And so DVR is the first brink of that, right? Kind of creating that uh, placement of uh, television and or radio network podcasts and things of that nature. So You've got to be able to offer the other element. Now, there are still going to be some people who want to sit there at seven because I know you're coming on at seven. I, I want to hear it live. I want to hear it while it's happening type situation. you got that element as well, right? That's why live events work. Um, but but you got to have both if you're going to want to uh, reach your highest amount of uh, listeners or viewers. You, you just got to have it all. So we, we do it all. We're going to stream. Uh, but there are a lot of people, too, man, who don't have cable. Right. They have just said, I ain't paying no cable bill. I'm going to unplug it. And they literally, though, either they're going to watch streaming television or, or, or YouTube. They go, I, actually, people watch TV over the air. You will be surprised at how many people watch my television station with some rabbit ears. Call, oh, like old school. Like old school. Because now television has changed. It was when it was analog. You look at one programming stream. Now, I got my main channel, but I got five other channels that I'm running on the background. So I got 21.1, well, four right now. I got 21.1 through 21.4. And so one is 24-hour news. I got an all-sports network. I've got a biz TV network. And so now you can actually get free, as long as you're paying your light bill and got power and you got a little uh, digital box, you can basically scan your TV and get a whole bunch of channels from movies to heroes and icons, all these networks that exist over the year. Uh, you can get them at no cost and get some everything. National news, local news, you name it. So I need to go get an antenna again. Sure. So they put, so, because my mom got one. And I think, like, you can plug them up HDMI now, can't you? Uh, so yeah, you can. I mm-hmm. think it's like a little, like. A little box, a little set-top box. You want to do it like that. I, like, mm-hmm. I, might, I might go consider that. So let's talk about your TV station for a second. You said yeah. you got four channels? So it's four channels. Mm-hmm. What, first, what made you say, I want to get a TV station? Well, you know, I've been working TV since 2002. Okay. 2001-ish, 2002-ish, uh, from when I uh, did the um, computer show. 
And so from there, you know, I just learned everything. And then, of course, the the person who owned the station, Ray, him and his wife, they had no kids, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm the, the youngest thing around, right? <laughs> so, um, built a relationship. You know, she she got the station of praise. Like, the station of praise for way more money than what she ultimately sold it to me for. And she said, hey, our relationship has value. So, we go back and talk about, hey, you don't see this right here. So, I, I ended up being able to buy that uh, television station for $75,000. And then we had to go from channel 41 to channel 21. And the FCC, because of T-Mobile and this repacking thing, they gave some money back. We was able to get about $20,000 back from from the FCC uh, when they resold the, spe- the spectrum. And so, from that, the, the deal we did, I was able to get the first $10,000. Here, I gave her $75,000, but I got $10,000 back. So, based on why the station was $65,000, uh, and then she got the rest of the money. But, again, she paid for the transition. So, the money that it took to move that station from uh, Channel 41 to 21, I think it ended up costing about $27,000. So, she paid for that, too, right? And so, then it was reimbursed. But even in that reimbursement, I got the first $10,000 of that. So, that, that was a pretty good deal. That's crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> now now, now I'm being selfish with my questions because I'm trying to learn. Mm-hmm. What does the FCC got to do with TV? Oh, it's the Federal Communication Commission. So, they, they control cell phones. They control television stations, radio stations, uh, radio. Like, when I say radio, now I'm talking about um, um like police radios okay uh, so they control you got to get a license for all that spectrum anything that you are transmitting bigger than one watt so if you if you transmit two watts of anything you're supposed to have a license for it if you do anything other than that then you call what you call powered and radio uh mm-hmm. which is against the law in which you could uh, uh be fined for that and certainly shut down so uh, they they're controlling of all of that. So the mm-hmm. the space, the airspace belongs to the FCC. And why do you need that? Because if you go get your transmitter, go turn it on. I go get me one to turn it on. We both want channel twenty one. Ain't nobody gonna see nothing, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so you got to be able to have a um, mediator there that's gonna say, hey. We're going to license this space for you. We're going to license this space for you, and then nobody else can get that. And then when you run out of frequencies in the area, I'm sorry, we got nothing else, right? And so then that's when then you go into creating a, a great product that, one, you either can turn around and sell to somebody else and say, hey, I'm no longer in the TV business, no longer in the radio business. How much would you give me for it? It's how much I'm billing. And they used to go the rule of, of seven times your cash flow type situation. That's so why I always say it takes a person uh, seven years. If you're in business seven years, you're good because you're in a major money type situation. So if you can do that. So or they go by population and say, hey, for every person you got, we're going to give you, you know, five dollars per person or, or whatever the, the market size is, is saying. But most time people ain't go by population. They're going to go by cash because you can have a small population, make a whole bunch of money or you can yeah. have a big population, make no money. So you can go by which one's going to make the most sense for you. Essentially. Yeah. So that's how that works. So how does. A local TV, because it it would be considered like local a local TV station. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. How does a local TV station generate? Same people? way as radio. So we're making we're selling advertisement, right? So cool thing about local TV though, we're not only are we selling commercials uh, throughout the day, we also provide opportunities for people to create television shows. So we're gonna we're gonna charge them a fee for. Um, Riding the bus, the TV bus, yeah. so to speak, right? So here's your ticket. So um, if, if people want a 28-minute show or a one-hour show or whatever, we're going to work out a, a deal where they're going to pay the television station some money for that. And then they can then in turn go get them their own sponsors and kind of help cover the cost and then create a little side business or whatever they got going on. Uh, or, again, for, for church purposes, they're doing it to spread the gospel as well. So it just depends. And, of course, like I said, we got that. Um, so for the TV, 
uh, advertisement to the shows. Then if we want to build some kind of following on our website, then we're going to charge you for those impressions there. You can advertise on the website because we're giving you those viewers and eyeballs as well. So there's a many ways you can make money in, in uh, television. And so local television and the local radio, they are slightly different because you can like like you said with the um you said it was low band what you called it so, no, with so, the radio yeah so radio you got low power radio but low, okay so low power radio yeah you can only do announcements yeah yeah but a local TV station you could do commercials you could do commercials on a on a regular radio station too so you got a class A through class C radio station so those are commercial radio stations as well so you can have a station that only got a thousand watts you have a station that got six thousand watts twenty five thousand all the way up to a hundred thousand watts and so all of those they're considered commercial radio stations so they can so your your power 95s your foxes your wrsvs or whomever you want to say all of them got them but the crazy thing is as you go through your dial they all just numbers, right? <laughs> right. So you can't say, is this a full power station, a low power station, how many watts this is, because all you do is hear them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so even with the low power uh, radio station, I actually can do take that digital, make it HD. You know, a lot, HD radio is crazy, too. How crisp and clear it is, because, again, we're in analog right now, but HD radio is crazy. Anyway, we could, we could actually turn... Uh, 102.5 to a HD television, I mean, radio station. We still, we still keep the analog running and we could um, have multiple channels. So that's why you see like a WRL one, two and three type situation like TV where you can have those multiple streams of uh, programming available on HD uh, radio. So that's something that exists as well. Thought about it it, it, it it won't cost that much. I mean, that much is subjective, right? Because uh, initially I think you're going to pay about a $5,000 license to Ubiquity. Uh, to use their HD processing license. At least that's great for low-power radio because major radio stations, they got to pay a monthly fee to them. This is a one-time. I probably should go ahead and do that before they change yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before what? they change it, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then you just change your um, transmitter uh, apparatus, and so that's going to be about $30,000. So you say uh, all you should be able to do it for under $40,000. But again, you're going to have three programming streams, and your analog, and so I could have a, a 24-hour local talk station or whatever I want to do, and I have extra opportunities for people locally on, on that on that spectrum as well. So with your um, so now I got to go back to radio because mm-hmm. like I'm reminded of like like I think about the Breakfast Club, right? Yeah. So like with the Breakfast Club with Charlemagne and them, mm-hmm. it's like they're in New York, right? So they're on a station in New York, but of course we can get it. Yeah. They like. So first of all, I got to ask all these questions. <laughs> first off, like explain the word syndicated. Just on uh, more than one station. Because like the Breakfast Club come on here, but mm-hmm. it's a part of another station. They just got a slot here, right? So the so what happens is they may be using a studio in New York or they have the a lot of times now these syndicated radio shows are not even using radio station studios anymore. They are using their own studio for their own show now. It used to be, hey, now Tom Joyner would be using a station in Houston or Chicago or wherever, uh, Russ Parr, you name it, all of them. But now they're kind of building out sets for these shows and for their own thing. But and all they're using is that space, right? They're using that space and then either by the internet or by satellite, they're uh, sending that audio down at the same time all across the country. And then local stations through Q-Tones are able then to uh, input their local breaks or, or music or whatever uh, so you can kind of give it a local feel and vibe as well. Some don't do that. They'll just go ahead and, and uh, run, it, run it, how it, it, is. it how it is. 
But uh, so, so that's how that basically works. And then my other point was like the duality of exposure to your point with say like a breakfast club being mm-hmm. a syndicated radio station, it's all over. But then they take the interviews and they put them on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Because what is that going to do? That's going to push you back to the breakfast club and know more about them. Right. Because, again, it's going to be, hey, I can't listen to this at seven in the morning or eight in the morning or nine. But when I get off my third shift job and I got my wrist, I got to go check out what's happening. Right. So it, it basically expands your audience beyond the live time slot. Right. But then we do also know that there are a lot of people who are in their vehicles in the morning, taking their children to and from school, going to and from work or whatever they do in the morning time so that you just go down Raleigh, you can tell that, right? You can go anywhere. Yeah. And so you you, you know that people are in their cars. And so that's why that uh, seven, we'll just say eight to 10 o'clock time, people are, are, are there. And that's why even my morning show on WNCR-TV, we actually simulcast that over my radio station, 102.5, so that's going on simultaneously. Uh, so people, no matter if they're leaving the house, they can carry that with them on their way to wherever they're going throughout the city. Is that a difficult process no, to have... The TV and the radio running at the Not center. at all. Because we're radio, all you got is a microphone, right? And so yeah. all you're doing is potting that audio to uh, that device that then sends it to the transmitter. And then if you got your cameras, that's then sending it to the other transmitters. You're going to two different transmitters uh, to make that work. So now it's and not. then you put, do you put that on YouTube too? It's on, it's on Facebook. And so I probably should shift it to YouTube, uh, but I just haven't. And one time I was doing Facebook and YouTube simultaneously. Live, uh, like streaming it. Yeah, uh huh. I was doing that, and then, um, and again, I, I like Facebook for, and the YouTube do the same thing for the fact you can go back and watch it later. Um, so yeah, so I, I do have a YouTube page. I just haven't been doing that. I've been mainly doing it on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, and so Facebook over there and radio at the same time. That is dope, man. And and we record it so that I go back and play it on. Well, most time I record it uh, <laughs> later on in the day. <laughs> Uh, so you can get a recap. So those who missed it and only watching TV over the air, no DVR, no nap. I'm telling you, there was there. You know, I had a channel 21.2 go down because the box in the back was no longer transmitting signal, uh, the internet. Because so TV coming through internet now, right? And so I had a guy email me from the website, say, "Hey, I'm in Bagley, North Carolina. I got a 75 decibel signal, but I have no content." And that immediately let me know I need to go back into the back, recycle that box so he can have Newsnet uh, on that wow. thing. So they, so I, so that's how I know there's a lot of people, not just not just him, but I get it often of people just hit me up and say, hey, I'm watching TV over the air. And that signal goes all the way to Zebulon, the TV mm. station up in Halifax County. Uh, when Bright's not Bright Speed, CenturyLink had um, Prism TV. It used to uh, go down and it may still be there. I don't know. Down in Fayetteville. So Cumberland County could watch a show. Uh, down in New Bern. It, it was crazy how far the station went. Yo, that's fire, man. Yeah, it was crazy. Yo. So now I want to go to the the politics of it all. Okay. How you get into that, man? How do I get into politics? How how did, did what what was your what was the spark of interest to make you say, hey, I want to be involved yeah. on a political level? So that goes back to everything happened in college. I encourage you to go over there sometimes. <laughs> I was in college. I was at ECU sitting in my dorm room at ACOG, which now is called, I think, uh, Legacy Hall or something. But um, I was in room 490. (laughs) And here I am flipping television, and I'm looking at the city of Greenville's uh, city council meeting. And it was city councilwoman Rose Glover Mm -hmm. who was advocating for the Martin Luther King Boulevard to not be removed from Fifth Street. So when you when you go to Greenville at the time, you would uh, be on Memorial Boulevard, Mm -hmm. Memorial Drive, rather 
and then right there is, is Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And then as you cross that track, it used, then it goes to Fifth Street where ECU was. And so there were people who wanted to take that little stretch of Martin Luther King out and put it on 264 on the highway. Ultimately, that happened. And so uh, Martin Luther King was taken off of it, and then that street all became Fifth Street, no matter where it was. And Martin Luther King got put on 264. Most of the time, you're not saying, hey, I'm on Martin Luther King on 264. I'm on 264. I'm on, eight, I'm on 64. I'm on 85. I'm on 95, right? And we know all these streets, little parts of them are named, all these highways, little parts of them are named for this. But you know you was on MLK when you were in the city. Yeah. Right? And so um, same thing, you know. I, so anyway, that's what get, really got me involved. And then City Rock and I did the same thing. They, they, we, you know, we got a Martin Luther King circle over there in Mayview area right okay. off, off, off of about a um, – Stoke Street, where Parker Middle School is. And so there's an MLK circle over there. But I, I always thought that there we actually should take um, Sunset and Thomas Street and Tarboro Street, for that matter. I think it's Tarboro. Wait, one of these. I, th- I think I said Tarboro. Somebody else said Sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so I was thinking of Tarboro Street and go all the way down because it crosses over, right? Mm-hmm. And make that whole thing MLK, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have a street in our city that's named after Dr. Martin Luther King. What the city council did instead, because they didn't want to uh, have people to have to change their mailing address and stationery and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I guess people still use stationery. I mean, I don't know. But uh, and I guess some of these businesses do. But again, they buy a new stationery every year. So that just made no sense. But anyway, they put MLK Street for the six Rocky Mount exits. So now when when you're on the stretch of 87, formerly 64, I guess it's still kind of 64, um, that whole thing is designated or known as the Marlon King Highway. Uh, most people don't even know that. G-I-D, until right now. <laughs> okay. and and But again, if I'm in the streets and I'm going down Sunset Avenue, or it used to be Sunset, what it still is Sunset, or Tarbury Street, and et cetera, um, if I'm on MLK, hey, I'm a, meet me on 3600 MLK Boulevard, right? Or through, I was calling the throughway. And I, I think, one, that would have had more conversation from people about Dr. King, what he stood for, what he didn't stand for type situation. Um, because we got a big issue about not working together in our city. That is a huge problem that we have. Uh, we've got a huge problem with millennials, Generation X, not participating in the process. Uh, we've got, I talked about this this morning, we got a, a huge issue with um, people saying, you know what, I'm just tired of, of the party. I don't want to be a Democrat, I want to be a Republican, I just want to be me, right? Mm-hmm. And so now you got this whole uh, unaffiliate uh, group of people who, who exist as well, who basically, after a while, is going to outgrow both of those parties, and maybe even collectively, right? Yeah. And so then you got to figure, okay, then how do you organize that group of people to really get what you want to see? Because I can say this, that if we don't do anything, anything is bound to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you've you got to really be involved at some level and learn how to say, you know what, I may not agree with you on 99% of the things, but I do agree with you on uh, this 1%. So then on this 1%, let's work there, right? We ain't got to talk about it 99%. Let's just work on this 1%. Let's just be the greatest advocates for this one percent right and i think then after you build that relationship you might find wait a minute here's another one percent we might can find i'm down at 98 percent disagreement right but we don't want to take that step because for too many of us it's either my way or your way and so because we can't configure on any of them it's it's we do nothing mm. and he would say well out of my community like man i don't want my kids to stay i don't want to 
we do nothing. But something is going to happen, whether you do nothing at all. Uh, that street ain't going to always look the way they look. That house ain't going to always be there forever, right? That business that that's there it might be something else tomorrow. And then we say, I don't have this, or this is closed down, or da 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 Well, again, we're not participating. So tell me this. Like, what is the process for, like, development? Like, for instance, like the mills. Mm-hmm. Like that, they totally shifted that and put yeah. like the the loft apartments and the businesses over there, like the event center. That's another thing. Like, what is the political process to make those kind of drastic changes? Well, the mule was a zoning change, right? So the city was involved in zoning uh, that piece of property because, of course, it was, I guess, industrial or or manufacturing, whatever the type of zoning was. And so now you had to have some kind of mixed use zoning in there. Uh, so it's part business, part uh, residential, uh, because you can have just residential only and then multifamily. So there's a whole bunch of different zoning types. You so can why did the zoning even change in the first place? Because that's what, that's what the developer wanted to do, right? So the developer said, hey, I've got this property and here's my idea for it. And so therefore, in the current zoning, we can't do it because otherwise we break in local ordinances, right? So then I got to go to the city council, really planning board first and say, hey, Mr. Planning Board or Mrs. Planning Board, here's what we want to do. Here's the current zoning. But we want you to make this work, right? Because another thing that changed was the tiny homes they put back there, too, because they didn't allow this. They didn't mm-hmm. get a calendar new zoning for that or, or change the, the ordinance for that, too. So um, that's why I don't care what you do in a city. And I really want people to, to get this one day is that local elections matter. The things that we see matter because what we can and cannot have is vested in the people that we place on city councils and who, then who they then put on planning boards and boards and commission out of the city who makes then these recommendations to to do or not to do type situation, right? But again, going back to the meal, Capital Rockcast just had the dollars, right? They had the dollars, they had the vision, and then they was able to then get the zoning changed. And so then they invested their own money. They looked at, okay, how do we build this, but also build it cheaply, okay? Mm. And what I mean cheaply, not that their, their product is cheap, but then it was able to exercise some tax credits. So now I can spend some money over here, but then I'm going to kind of get a rebate over here. So now I'm not a spend. Now I, I can maximize my dollars. And, yeah. and that, you know, money literacy is important. Money management is important because there's a whole bunch of opportunities we miss because we don't know how to leverage financing. We don't know any. We don't talk about this. Right. Again, I get My grandfather was in business forever and this, that, that. So I should have understood the value of ownership. But I do. anyway, it is what it is. So I guess sometimes it can't be hard headed either. Right. And so, <laughs> so you know, uh, so so that, that's what the meal did. And then it's the event center project was a city project. Right. So that project started out. City council came up and said, hey, we want to build a concert hall. So the original con- uh, concept of that project was we want to build a 4000 seat fixed auditorium for uh, concerts. Community said, well, some members of the community said, nah, we don't want that. We don't want that. Da, da. So they had started having signs out, no event center, this, that, and third. So they started having a conversation. Good conversation, right? And through that conversation, they had a consultant come in and say, listen, you don't want a concert hall. Because what happens with a concert hall is I'm going to hire you as a promoter. You're going to get your acts and your artists. Y'all going to come into the city. It's going to be a one night, one night only thing. And we're going to take all of our money and we're going to the next city. Right. And so the consultant said, we need to build on what you're already doing. 
You're already doing amateur sports and doing a great job at doing. He got $12 million a year in economic impact from the sports complex. And where does that come from? It comes from people uh, booking hotel stays and eating at restaurants, buying local gas, going to some of the local merchants. So they can kind of do a little guesstimation as to what they believe these people are spending based on surveys. Things and then he says he got a $12.1 million economic impact. But what you cannot do is you cannot do basketball tournaments. You can't do volleyball tournaments. You can't do cheerleading competitions. You can't do all these other kinds of stuff. So if you had a venue that was a multi-purpose venue that one, you can also transition for concerts, make that, but you can also have a, a t- basketball tournament, cheerleading competition where now these people are coming in, not for one event, but they're coming for a couple of days. And so then they got to stay here. They, they, they ain't going to be hungry. So they're going to eat here. And so now we're creating jobs because now you need that waitress. You need that manager. You need this person in the hotel and all this kind of stuff. So now you got an even greater economic impact for the event center. But again, it came because people were willing to challenge the process. Too often, if you don't challenge the process, you know, you will get nothing at the end of the day. You'll get a whole bunch of stuff that might not make sense. And so uh, everything ain't about black versus white. Uh, some things are based on uh, do it make dollars. And if, not, if not, it ain't making sense, right? And so you really got to look at if we really care about our community, how do we be sure that we have economic impact that's going to create one generational wealth? We don't even talk about generational wealth, right? We talk about uh, let me get to Thursday type wealth, right? <laughs> so we, we got to really start thinking about that, too. If you can't hold your mule. <laughs> don't give it to somebody that don't deserve it now. Nah. Please don't. You know he out here sleeping with everybody. Don't do it. And you gonna do it because it feel good. Why? Because he got a big thing thing or something. That ain't, that ain't. You know how many men folk around here? Never mind. I'm just. Saying, there's plenty of fishies in the sea. If you enjoyed this clip of Be For Real, you can watch the full video. Just head over to RXS Entertainment YouTube channel. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just type in B-E-F-U-H-R-E-A-L period. Yo, I'm just sitting here thinking like myself, like hearing you talk makes me want to get more involved okay Uh, good good yeah because it's like because it's like i see these things happening like i see the change i see where they're they have that roundabout Mm -hmm. out there Mm -hmm. and i'm looking at these things i'm looking at buildings i'm looking at different things happening i'm like how does these things happen like where are the conversations that take place or like how do you contribute to these conversations so like Hearing you talk does make me more interested. And they had conversation about those roundabouts um, as well as that new ramp off I-95 to put an exit off of Sunset Avenue. And that's going to make property value go up. And then some people are complaining about how the houses are going to be so close to the road there and say, yeah, well, most likely they won't be houses no more. You're going to have some commercial space happening. There's going to be another commercial corridor. They think Again, things don't stay the same. Yeah. Uh, so there were meetings about that. And again, um, I don't care nobody say those roundabouts came about. Uh, because of the ideal, the potential of having that entertainment district over there, right? So the casino, the water park, um, and all the other stuff they want to have over there um, is a contributing factor. You don't just put no roundabouts to kind of uh, move traffic in a different way and slow it down, this kind of stuff. 
if you are not having an idea for some heavy traffic situations so where you got So it's the precursor to those things oh, being absolutely. added over there. Absolutely. And I, and I, said, no, I ain't saying the casino going to happen. So I'm about to say Brown said <laughs> casino day about to happen, right? Uh, but what I'm saying is you, you they certainly have demonstrated that that potential piece of land uh, has value. And so who's to say that still a Tangerilla or a Carolina Premium Outlets or whomever may still come there and build a uh, shopping center right there, right, where you're going to target some of the 80 million people who go up and down 95 and make them park right here in Rocky Mount, right? Mm. So, so that opportunity is still there. That planning is there. And so they know when it does come that you have the infrastructure in place to be able to support that, right? Because one thing to to need it and then it'd be a big old chaos, right? Think about the construction of that, then plus trying to do road construction at the same time. Nah. But now yeah. I've kind of been in a place that when that do happen, we've already, already made prepared. Yeah, facts. So tell me see, I'm curious. Tell me about the whole DMV thing. What 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 what? The, the, what 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 transpired to make the decision for that to come here. Yeah. So that was a, a from what I'm told, I'm not in general assembly, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and so this is only from what public conversations out there. There was a, a, a thought process at one point uh, in the North Carolina general assembly that we kind of take some of the central services of our state government and kind of put them in other places in the community to help stimulate growth and increase uh, value in those areas, right? Because you had everything in Raleigh. Everything is in Raleigh, right? And so they started saying, okay, how do we then move some of these things out so that way some of those uh, other communities can benefit from having those there? One, it will help change the average income in the area, especially they're moving here because now you got some of those higher salaries there. Um, and so that was kind of value. So then, of course, you had people uh, that in the general assembly who fought for where it should go. There was a couple different options and I think that building at the time that they were in was kind of needing to be updated and repaired type situation. Okay, how do you update and repair the, the building while still being in there? Probably wouldn't make sense, right? <laughs> and so it, it kind of worked as a sweetheart deal that it made sense. Hey, we can go be repairing a building somewhere else, move it where you have that impact of the state services not too far from Raleigh at the same time, right? I got you. So with all of these things happening, um, does that change the value of the city? If that's even a such thing. So does it change the value of the city? Uh, so certainly that building has more value. However, well, you know, I'm about to say it's a state building, but it's not. The state leases that building so that in return, yes, the city then is collecting more property taxes off of that uh, that building being there. Mm -hmm. And um, and their utility customer for the city. So now lights that weren't on in old Hardy's building. Now you got that situation happening. Right. So definitely, definitely it does. And then some of the employees that uh, was probably living elsewhere might have moved here or they were able to hire some people locally as well. Right. So, so it creates so play. It, it creates uh, it's a better economy because yeah. of that. Um, you have more residents. Mm -hmm. You and then you're saying like the income changes for families because of the jobs 
so you got more higher incomes in the community if they're living here. And so then when you look at your median income, then it starts rising, right? And so you want the median income of your city to rise. Why? Because if you want some of these retail developments, what they can look at is affordability, right? So if we've got income being ten grand a year, which ain't that low, but I'm just saying if it was ten grand a year, why in the world would, would I, I bring that business here hello. or that restaurant? Hello. It's like they can't afford to Exactly. So interesting. So with like for instance with the checkers being yeah. built over here yeah they look at those things before they say yes or no this place should be here no one builds a building or a business with the intent to fail so they got to do their market analysis and research to ensure that okay based on what type of customer base we have do we see a similar customer base in the area in which we're going and if we find that then hey we'll do it and if we don't have it now nah, we ain't coming right because i'm I'm opening up business with the sole purpose of making money. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you, I'm giving out to the community, which I will, right? But at the same time, I'm only able to give back because I done made some money. Yeah. Okay. So let's just, no, it's not Christmas here. Okay. <laughs> that ain't how that works. So you, you got to have those things in place and, and you got to have the skill set education in place. So a lot of these things play in part uh, with our school systems. They're, they're no longer designated as low performing school districts, um, but we still got a lot of improvement to go even there because who wants to live? At one point, when they were filling schools, who wants to live in an area where filling schools exist, right? But now you're kind of climbing out of that. But these are the kind of conversations we got to have. But instead, we have conversations about historical wrongs. I got to get back at what you did to my great-great-granddaddy. And I know uh, I I get it. Uh, that, That has value. But I'm still got to operate in the now, right? And I get it. You say, oh, this systemic stuff is real and da 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 I get it. But I, I do know that, that if I get up every day and go to class and, and read the books that I need to read, most likely I'm going to do pretty well in, in school. I do know that if I go up every day and, and go to work, most likely as long as that business exists and I'm going to get a paycheck at the end of the week or I'm going to start a business and, and do that well, I'm, I'm going to make some. So there are some some self stuff that we've got to deal with. And then we deal with self stuff. Then we'll go back and look at the other stuff. But then as we got self right, we may realize that other stuff. It ain't even really hello. worth it. Woo! Okay, so that's just me, though. That's big. Because sometimes it is um, it is a situation where we're projecting. Like, because sometimes it's easier to point fingers than I'm it sure. is to deal with. And then, ah, you feel, you feel validated because it's not a lie that that's an issue. Mm-hmm. But it is deflecting because there are bigger issues issues facts facts and the biggest issue man is always self and so in order to deflect from self we're going to make something else talk about because we don't want to deal because the only issue we can really resolve is self right uh because we know how to tell ourselves no i'm not gonna eat that type of food uh yeah i'm gonna get the more rest that i need no i'm not gonna i'm gonna guard my ear gates and my eye gates and you know so self that's the biggest issue but but we don't want to deal with that yeah yeah i do i'm gonna deal with self listen that's what I'm on. At this point, I'm yeah. in a season in my life where it's like, yo, what's going on with me? Because mm-hmm. it's like, once I work on me, to your point, I see everything different. Sure you will. Like something that used to look this way, when I deal with me, now it looks that way. Absolutely. So now an issue I used to have, like I may have been mad at a person and then I look at myself and then I have empathy for that person. Hello. So it's like <laughs> Hello. versus where, the, where I was angry now, I'm like, oh man, I understand. I feel you. Facts. <laughs> Facts. It, that's where you got to get to, right? Uh, that's crazy how this whole weekend has been just weird because, you know, one of the things I was telling the high school kids is, is that you got to be able to empathize with people. 
not just giving his sympathy, but saying, hey, I can place myself where you are and I can understand where you're going because I care about you enough as a person. But no way I can care about this person. If I got first, I care about self, right? Because I got to understand what caring really is, right? Yes. Because you can't give away or demonstrate what you don't possess your own self, right? Yes, sir. So let's, I want to transition to right. becoming a mayor. Okay. Why did you run? You know, I think I've got something to offer to the city uh, for sure. Uh, when it comes to communication uh, for our community, when it comes to getting out information. But again, you still got to create a product in which people are coming to see. The, the, the role of, of our mayor and our current mayor, Mayor Sandy Robinson, currently represents us and have been since 2020. Well, 19, 19, actually. He's just got 19. I, I do think there are some things that he can do better, right? And, and one of those things is um, we've got a city that straddles two counties. It's not a Nash County. It's not an Edgecombe County. It's the city of Rocky Mount, right? And so I think that he don't speak life to a number of situations that really could help help people see something differently because too often we have this past scars and pains of what Edgecombe County is and what it can be and what it cannot be. And so we need someone to say, you know what, I know what you've been saying about Rocky Mount, but what I want to do is help with the council support because you got to have council support to do anything as mayor, mayor has no power. Um, but at least steer the council to start looking at less focus on this and then let's explain why. Right. Because a mayor is the only seat in a local office that people throughout the entire city Alexis, Right. And so you should be able to have an ear and pulse on the community collectively. Now, council members, mm -hmm, they're just in a ward. And so they should be filling the pulse within that ward. And then ultimately, though, together, all seven of them still should have the whole post as well when they're able to work together versus working against. And so a, a lot of our troubles and issues is that I think we are working towards or for a particular uh, sections, but we're not really trying to find where we all can have some common agreement with it and moving forward, right? Because there's no reason why we don't have a targeted economic development plan that's dealing with how we finish up crossing at 64 with George Dickens, right? Where that checkers is, right? Because that, that land opportunity has been there for too long that we haven't taken a concentrated effort that we get people at the table and say, listen, let's just, let's just do that, right? And so, uh, instead, we're going to talk about why it can't come, but let's talk about why it should and how it is coming, because these are how we're going to change whatever we need to change, how we're going to fund whatever we need to fund, and how we're going to incent whatever we need to incent to ensure that businesses are parking themselves here. And I can guarantee you uh, that that piece of soil is no different than a piece of soil on Sunset Avenue or no different than a piece of soil on, on Winstead Avenue or whatever, because it's, it's rocky out at the end of the day. So I do think there are some challenges there. Um, that that I would uh, address wholeheartedly, right? And so one of the things about the space I'm in, I'm not running any kind of business, so to speak, that don't require me to have communication, right? Mm. So it's not like I'm doing something where I can still do my job as the as a person and still be do, doing a mayor's job at the same time, right? So there's no real conflict uh, there. So so that, that's why. You know, I, I've uh, ran for mayor 2019. I ran on the idea that it's time for a first black mayor, right, in our city. And and so, you know, going back and maturing over the time, I realized I shouldn't be running off skin color, right? Shouldn't be running off gender for that matter, because those are things you can't change. But what you can change is mindset. What you can change is vision, right? And so you really got to have a, a mayor that has the right mindset for everybody, have vision, and then have the ability to, to lead, 
uh, that's what I think you need. And so that's what I think I, I certainly can present and would hope that I would be a relatable enough from different cross section of life, from, from younger people to older people that we're right there at that sweetheart spot where we can still have a conversation with everybody and be relatable. I think that's what you got to have. That's why I wonder. That's why I read. Yeah. And to, to your point, it's like when you are here, it's like when you cross the tracks, you know, you cross the tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and yeah. to get to a place where that isn't so obvious would be dope. And I think that the best place to start that is in your downtown area, right? And so you see those 50 units coming up. They're looking different. Um, you're seeing where um, the Jamaican restaurant used to be and how that's kind of being bought um, and to look at something there. Um, it, so what is that across the street? Is that about to be like apartments or something? Yeah, that's 50 units. Okay. So it was going to be 60 units, but some out of there it ended up being 50 units. But uh, that came from money off of Hurricane uh, Matthew. So people were displaced. And so those units were going to cost between five and six fifty a month, right? Wow. That's pretty pretty good. Um, and utilities might be included. I'm not sure about that. But uh, that that's a pretty, pretty good space to be in. Um but, you know, we'll see how that, how that all, all unfolds. But, you know, across the street from that, one idea was let's put a judicial center right there, right? And to me, what value would that bring to that corridor for a judicial center to be right there? First of all, you're taking a piece of land that is a taxable piece of property that once the city of Rock came out on and put a judicial center there, you no longer can collect taxes off of it, right? So that doesn't make any sense. My thought process, at least do a feasibility study for it, is how do we take that land next to City Hall where the police park at? How do we build uh, some structured parking and a structured building? So that way we have a little, one, maybe one floor parking deck there. And then we build a little judicial annex. How many floors in it? Whether it be one or two out of here to house the courthouse, the DA office, all this kind of stuff on a piece of land that you already don't collect taxes on anyway. So now we can take the <laughs> other piece of land across when you're building 50 homes at and figuring out, okay, how do I maybe do retail on the bottom and some additional housing on the top? And so therefore I got like a little North Hills feeling people, going on. They'll just go across the street. Like, hello, hello. If it's a restaurant there or a store there, they just going to walk across and the street. And a gas station. Where you get gas at downtown, right? So so if on that corner, if I could put a little 7-Eleven there, whatever brand it is, why, why, I don't care what it is. Uh, but then you put it there. Um, and then you put housing on top of that, right? So, so now you got a situation where you're increasing your your population, you're you're changing what that corridor kind of looks like, um, and you're adding value. And then you take in the judicial center that's on Cokie Road currently out of a neighborhood, which it shouldn't be in a neighborhood, and put it back on a government plaza where you're doing government work because the judicial center is government work. When people are judicial center say, "Oh, you're locking up black and brown people," well, first of all, you wouldn't be locking up black and brown people there being a law law abiding citizens, right? And so you wouldn't be having them in uh, uh, evictions if they're paying their rents on time, right? So there, there are some places we can avoid just by based on our action, right? Now, I get, I get it. You can be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I'm not saying that stuff don't happen, uh, but I don't think we have an issue in Rocky Mount where they are stereotyping people because of the color of their skin, right? I, I just don't think you got that with law enforcement. But I do think that if you're doing criminal activity, you're bound to get caught here in our city, right? Yeah. And so if you don't want to get caught doing criminal activity, then you don't do criminal activity. Yeah. That's a simple fix, right? And so, therefore, maybe we don't even need a judicial center as big as what it is on Cookie Road, right? So we can have a two, a little two-story building with a one-layer parking deck because we don't anticipate uh, having that type of criminal activity. Uh, that is what we can do. 
And I think that just makes the best sense as to where it is. And that land there could be parked for some amazing development for retail and residential stuff to accommodate and fit in what you're already doing. And then take the old judicial center and turn it into some kind of housing project as well. So that way you you can have luxury lofts at the old, you know, McGroom School Building, whatever that building yeah. was. And so you can take you do some more loft style buildings there and repurpose that place for that. And and my biggest thing would maybe have a resource center because there are a lot of people who don't have access to the internet. Our kids over in Edgecombe County side don't have access to Edgecombe County in the Rocky Mountain Boys and Girls Club type situation. Everything is on Nash County. So where is a safe place for kids to go when you're on Branch Street, tie in Clark Street, uh, School Street, uh, Mercer Street, you name it, you know, in walking distance and, which, and where you can go and make it make sense. Right. And so if, if you had that, uh, that just makes sense to me. But again, I'm only one person. We want people to buy into the idea or not and come with a better idea. I'm not saying I got the best idea. All I'm saying is I have a idea. I have an idea. And so we, we just uh, deal, deal with it that way. Hearing you talk makes me, um, it gives me a different perspective and love for the city. Good. <laughs> Good. Like, yeah. Um, Concepts and ideas that have never crossed my mind before. I'm kind of thinking about now. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, inspiring a shared vision. That's what yeah, that's all man. about, right? And then enabling others to act. So that, you know, that's what you got to do. And, and I think that's the only way other communities grow um, because they get away from hey, what don't make us work, but what brings us together. And so when you focus on those things that bring us together, so many things that separate us become a thing of the past. And you know. You'd be like, darn, I can't believe that he talking to her, she talking to him, and all that stuff they had 20 years ago. Well, see, they let that go. They they became the bigger woman and bigger man and said, look, it's, it's more to this than that, right? Mm-hmm. And we got to get there. That's that's what I think our biggest holdback in Rocky Mountain is, is that we haven't let that go yet. So if you were to give advice to people in the city for us to get there, what would it be? You got to talk. That's simple. But it's yet so hard, right? Because you go into a place with all the baggage on wanting to get back at this person or that person. And so somehow or another, you have to have a conversation where you know the baggage is there. But, hey, let me get to understand where you're coming from. And then let's pause for a moment. And I want you to understand where I'm coming from. Because after I hear you, maybe some of the stuff I thought about you after hearing you, one really true. And it may be because I still got some trust issues. I'm still going to say, nah, you just putting on for me at this moment. So I don't know if you're really being real or fake or not. So I'm still going to kind of be that guarded person. So at some point, though, you're going to let some of those guards down, right? And you're going to have to say, okay, I heard you talk. That's the same vision I have. Let's work on that. And then when we work on that, then, okay, maybe this person was kind of on the real about what they were talking about, right? All right. So this other thing that we kind of, a little bit different. You saying we should go 40 miles. I'm still thinking we should be at 35 and a half. So why you want 40 versus 35 and a half, right? And so then we figure out, okay, here's why I think 40 miles an hour is better than the 35 and a half because, I don't, and then you may go back and say, well, a 35 and a half, you got less wear and tear. You got, yeah, you might get there faster, but you put more, uh, you burning your car better, worse. And so we can say this money that we're going to save here. Uh, we this gonna be better. He said, "Nah, but if we get there faster, we're gonna save in time, and so that we can get the money back." So then you gotta balance which one makes sense. Yeah. But then the ultimate goal is, I still want to get there, right? And so 
maybe y'all compromise on 30 and a half. <laughs> right? yeah, okay. yeah. And, and so that way you, you can, now I'm gonna get a best of both worlds. I'm like, I'm a, I got a little more maintenance on my car, but I'm getting a little faster. So now I got a balanced type situation. And I think that's a thought process we got to have. Mm-hmm. And then I think we can't be afraid of having that. Right. So, uh, for me, and I'm going to talk about a lot of this in, in a couple of days. And, and that is when you think differently from people that look like you, uh, then you're bought and sold and paid for by other folks. Mm. So then we got to kind of figure out, okay, how do we, how do we address that? And, and I'm going to talk about that after the election on Wednesday uh, as well. Because wow. I think that's some serious conversation you got to have too. Say that one more time when you're, say that one more time. What's that? That when you when people that that look like you, yes, when people that look like you, because you have a different position or opinion about things, then they believe that you're bought and paid for by other folks, and so therefore, then that creates some type of uh, issue as well. That's heavy. It's real. Cause it's, it's real. like ah. So then you don't have the. You don't have the influence among your people because they feel like even though we got the same skin color, you ain't my people. Yeah, all, all uh, uh, skin folk, ain't, ain't skin folk. folk. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so you know, and that's some of these cliches that we say, uh, but oftentimes they come from a misinformed place, right? But they also could come from a place where there's a thing called Willie Lynch, where they say, "Hey, if you figure out so many ways to separate people, they'll forever be separated." Right? We talk about people of color, so I want to have the uneducated against the educated. I want to have uh, the light skin versus the dark skin, the fat versus the the small, and and so many ways of di- differentiating people. And so, therefore. Uh, we'll use words like they don't get it because they went to school or, or they don't get it because they don't understand my struggle or this, that, and the third. Uh, no. I mean, we, we've got to get out of that and call it what it is and be wise enough to say, you know what, though? What this brother is saying uh, makes sense. What this sister is saying makes sense. Or we call it, say what it's saying don't make sense. And so, you know, and people can call me whatever they want to call me uh, on Wednesday, bully or whatever. But, you know, I, I think that one that God is blessing with these airways, one to not be afraid to say what needs to be said. Right. And however people take it, it is that, but I, I hope they take it in a way they can say, okay, let's find uh, some common ground and begin to work on these things. Right. And stop being where we are because we're not moving in this city. Like we could be because we're so afraid of either one, either somebody getting ahead before we do, or we are so afraid of uh, being found they were wrong. So I much rather die being wrong than than to, than to live being right. And so those are some of the amazing challenges that we have. But I, but I hope we get to a point where we can overcome. And I'm gonna do everything I can to to speak truth to power, and uh, put some common sense out there, right? And I'm a person that I can admit when I'm wrong. I don't know why people, but people try to say I don't. But but I I tell y'all the time. I, hey, I don't know. I, I I don't go. We're gonna find out though. Yeah. Got to be that researcher for sure. Thank you, man. Man, appreciate you. Thank you for um all that you do for the city. Um, I've always seen you out and about moving around for a very, very long time. I'm old, my lord. Yeah, and I've I've <laughs> always wanted to talk to you about all of it because for one, I see you moving and shaking. And then for two, I just want to understand. Okay. Cause there are some things that um there are some gifts and talents that I have that I would love to figure out how to um share with the city but i've never known 
house. So maybe we okay. can chop it up and figure some things out. Absolutely. And for everybody that's watching, thank y'all for watching. Thank y'all for listening. This has been another episode of the RXS Podcast with Bronson Williams. Peace.